in the month of August, we have been on the conversation of God's love. It's been themed, love wins. All right, we're exploring the victorious dimension of God's love. God's love wins. In the part one, we talked about how God has revealed his love in stages to humanity. We said he kept clues in creation. We said he showed us shadows through words spoken by the law and the prophets. And then ultimately, he revealed the fullness of his love, personified in Christ Jesus. Colossians 1.15, talking about Jesus being the, the visible representation, the epitome of the invisible God. All right, wonderful sermon. If you've not um, been a part of that, it's available on all platforms, YouTube, iTunes, Audio Mac, Spotify, everywhere. All right, you'll find it everywhere. Praise God. And then part two, we said worship is for lovers. Worship is for lovers. And that was a very, very powerful one. I, I want to encourage you also, if you've not listened to that, please get the sermon. It's available for you. We said that it's not, we can't call it love if the key core elements are not there. Cho choice that God has chosen us. All right. Free will, consent, test. All right. And all of that might not make sense to you if you were not a part of what we did last week. But please ensure you are, um, avail yourself of that opportunity um, to listen to it. This morning, my job is interesting and I want you to pray for me. All right, that the Lord will grant me utterance and that your hearts will hear and receive. It might be a little bit uncomfortable for some. And the reason why I'm, I'm happy to do this is because we, we have some nice, jumpy, upbeat messages. So you might not find yourself, as it were, jumping um, this morning. It will make you introspect. It's going to take you to a deep place of, of reflection and thought. Praise God. Praise God. So let's go to our anchor scripture for the month. We've been on Romans chapter 8, verse 37 to 39. For those who are writing, Romans chapter 8, verse 37 to 39 is where we've been. This is Paul writing to the church in Rome. He says, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Through him that loved us, we are more than conquerors. He says, For I am persuaded... That neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. Verse 39, it says, Nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. The highest revelation, the epitomization of the love of God. Nothing, absolutely nothing can separate us from the love of God. So before we go on, I just want you to do this again and say that I am absolutely loved and I am secure in his love. All right, I know we are still warming up. Let's do that again. I am absolutely loved and I am secure in his love. Praise God. Praise God. So what we're going to do is we're going to pick it up from where we left last Sunday and then we're going to move like from 0 to 100 real fast. Praise God. Isaiah chapter 29 and verse 13. Isaiah 29 verse 13 talking about worship being for lovers. This is God speaking through his servant, the prophet. He says, Wherefore the Lord said, For as much as this people 
all right, they draw near to me with their mouth, all right, with their lips they honor me, but I've removed their hearts far from me, and their fear, fear their meaning reverence toward me is taught by the precepts, by the commandments of men, all right, he's saying here that for it to be real worship, for it to be worship that is pleasing to the Father, John 4, 23, for it to be the kind that the Father seeks, it has to be worship from the heart, genuinely, and worship from the lips, genuinely. But there is an accusation here, and this is a word in season for this generation. It says there is a people who are comfortable honoring me just with their mouths, just with their lips, but their hearts are far removed from me. And someone is saying, why will this be the case? If your heart is right and your speakings are also honorable, then you are a true worshiper. You are worshiping in spirit, all right? And you are worshiping in truth, all right? I, I hope someone just got that. Now, if you are, your, your heart is not right with God and your lips are not right with God, then the, the diagnosis is a bit easier we know that what you need is Jesus. You need salvation. You need, you need a revelation of Christ and his love. You need it unpacked. You need the scales of your eyes falling. You need the chains broken off your mind. You need to be able to receive that glorious light like Paul saw on the way to Damascus. You, that is what, that's an easy diagnosis. That's, that's a relatively easier conversation to have. However, there is, there is this group that God is saying, I have a problem. I have a problem with this subset of people. Their hearts are far, far, far from me. But they've learned the language. They've learned the speakings. They've learned how to sound like the ones worshipping me in spirit and in truth. And if all our perception is at the level of what is being said, we might not be able to tell the difference because the lips of the true worshippers honor. The lips of these guys also honor. Alright? And someone is saying, why would anyone even be in this situation? It's the spirit of deception. It's fraudulent Christianity. It reeks and it smells of the deceiver. It smells of Lucifer. It smells of that, that ancient serpent that had become the mighty dragon in Revelation, feeding off the souls of men. That spirit of deception tells people that, don't worry, we can just, you know, look and speak and sound like. If, is it not just to raise hands, we'll raise hands. Is it not just to show up at church, we'll show up at church. Is it not just to do all the things expected of Christians? Let us do all of those things. All right, but God is saying, you can't trick me. You can't deceive me. The ultimate deceiver was exposed and cast down. He says, you can't lie to me. I know your hearts. I know your agenda. I know those who really and truly worship me. Psalms chapter 33 and verse 12. Psalms chapter 33 verse 12. We read this last week talking about the second part being chosen. It says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he has chosen for his own inheritance. I want to focus here. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. 
blessed is the nation whose people, their hearts are right towards God. Not their mouths sound like they are a believing or a Christian nation. He says, blessed is that nation. If you can flip it in the modern translation, let's go all the way down to verse 15. Glory to God. He says, what joy for the nation. What joy for that people. What joy for that city. What joy for that tribe. Whose God is the Lord. Whose people he has chosen as his inheritance. Verse 13. He says, the Lord looks down from heaven. Remember? And he sees the whole human race. He sees the real he sees the frogs. Everything is clear before him. Let's go to verse 15. Verse 14. No, no, no. You can stay at 14. Thank you. He says, from his throne, he observes all who will live on the earth. Glory to God. There is nothing hidden for him, from him. He made their hearts. Can you see? So he understands everything they do. He made their hearts, and so he understands everything that they do. There is nothing eating before him. And this morning we are coming for that fraud, that fraudulent spirit that makes you feel like you can be uh, something else in your private place just as long as you look like it and you sound like it. Alright? And, 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 and it's, it's going to touch a, a bit of some places that some will not be very comfortable with but it's the, it's, I mean it's the word of God. Sometimes it comes like armor and it hits, all right? And for those who will receive that word, it will reprove, all right? It will, it will rebuke, it will correct, it will bring instruction in righteousness. So I just want to encourage you here that God's definition of a righteous nation, God's definition, God's definition of a righteous people will be those whose hearts are right and those whose lips are right. What we have commonly propagated is people talking, talking, all right, and there is that attempt on a national level to, to legislate morality in a way that we will make God happy with us once we are able to commit ourselves to passing moral laws. Once we are able to carry placards and say God is against abortion. God is against same-sex marriage. And we are able to shout about all the things God is against. And we are able to pay the lobbyists to ensure that we're going to be a righteous people. We, we, are, we will stand for righteousness, all right, as, as long as our laws are moral. Our hearts may not be right, all right. We may be terrible hypocrites behind the doors. We may be worse, worse and worse Pharisees. But as long as our laws are right, then we are fighting his righteous cause. We are the ones God wants. And let me tell you, that, that spirit that tries to... Let, let, me, let me just say this now. You can legislate morality. You can't legislate righteousness. I'll say that again. You can pass laws that will make you look good, but you cannot solve the problem of sin with laws. You can't solve the problem of sin with laws. You can't solve the problem of sin with laws. You can pay the lobbyists. There is, there is, there is this pro-Zionist pseudo-righteous movement, all right, that is not speaking truth and enforcing righteousness. You don't say, let's just pass the laws. 
Let's just pass the laws. Let's, let's. So when he's saying PD, what, what exactly do you mean? What exactly do you mean? What exactly do you mean? We need, we need righteous laws. No, we need righteous people before we need righteous laws. If you have righteous laws and you have sinful people, then there is a problem. Their lips, they will be forced to behave, but their hearts won't be right with God. And that won't be worship. That won't be worship. What we have is an obsession with treating bad fruits, with polishing bad leaves, and leaving the root to rot. We had, nobody wants to have nobody wants to have the conversation about the real rotting state of the hearts of humanity. We just want to have conversation about the leaves. And let me tell you, once the root is right, the leaves will be right. The fruit will be right. Once we have righteousness established in a nation, they will please God. They will pass righteous laws. They will enjoy, enjoy, all right, not just for legitimacy, but in bringing glory to God. In bringing glory to God, they will enjoy. It's, it's now a gift of grace that we will be pleasing to God and the government will benefit thereby because we'll find that as we please our God, we have not broken no laws. Glory to God. I said glory to God. I said glory to God. Someone said, no, 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 no. I can't take this. I can't take this. I can't take this. Are you saying that Sodom and Gomorrah God, God of Sodom and Gomorrah. Come and hear what PD is saying. Come and hear what PD is saying. All right? So now that you've mentioned it, let's go there. Question. Why did God's judgment rain on Sodom and Gomorrah? I already told you it's a trick question. So it means that your most likely answer might not be the right one. For most people who are the pro-righteous Avengers, they would say that God rain, fire, and brimstone because of the severe homosexuality and the sin that was in the land. They were terrible, terrible people. It was, it was perversion and decadence. Well, guess what? Biblically speaking, that's not why. There was a conversation in Genesis chapter 18. A conversation between God and Abraham. God said, will I hide this thing for my friend? And Abraham started negotiating. He said, God, what if you find he started, that got to 20. God, he said, at 20, he said, pardon me, peradventure, if I can make one more intercession. What if you find 10? God said, if I find 10 people in a city, I will not destroy it. Sodom and Gomorrah was not judged for its decadence. It was judged because there were not enough righteous people there. It is time for us. It is time for us to arise and begin to take responsibility for our cities and for our nations. We can't fix the rot in society by passing more pro-God laws. We enforce righteousness by spreading the love of God through the gospel. So that their hearts will be right. First, the fruits of their lives will glorify God and then their lips also can honor him. I hope someone is still with me this morning. God didn't find enough righteous people in a city. My question is, where are the righteous people in our cities? Where are the righteous people in our nations? Where are those who should be speaking truth to power? 
God is not pleased with you because you are anti-abortion. God is not pleased with you because you are against same-sex marriage. God is pleased with you when your heart is right with him. God is not pleased with you because you are a Democrat. God is not pleased with you. Let me just say this. Jesus is not Republican. Jesus is not Democrat. Jesus is not conservative. Jesus is not liberal. You, we've been sold a lie that Christian values align with a particular party. No, 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 no. Jesus is aligned with righteousness. His party is salvation. He's saying, give the people Jesus. If we are at least going to call ourselves evangelicals, then let's do more evangelism. If we are going to call ourselves Pentecostals, then let's spread the ministry of the Spirit. If we are going to call ourselves Charismatics, let's spread this fragrance of grace. Enough of the pretense. Enough of the lies. Enough of the fraudulence. Posing in front of a church with a Bible doesn't make you born again. Except a man be born again. Except a people be born again. Except their hearts be right. Except their hearts be right. Our generation is trying to fix humanity with laws. And they know what they're doing. It's all fraud. It's a big lie. It's a big lie. It's a big lie. And the Father knows. He made their hearts anyways. He sees the deception. He sees where the source of the deception is from. Let me just say this to you very quickly. By the time we push this agenda and we begin to legislate morality without fixing the sin nature, the real problem, what you're going to have is you're going to create a shadow existence. You're going to create a shadow existence. People will find other mechanisms to allow that perversion in their hearts to express itself. They will ex escape your prisons and your systems, but the perversion will continue. Romans chapter 11, verse 16. If you can give me verse 1 first, and then we'll go to verse 16. Romans 11. Now, just to give context, I'm going to verse 16. I say then, I got cast away his people, God forbid. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. So this is, this is Paul, who is a trained lawyer. He's made an argument up until this point, And he makes a very important statement in verse 16. Thank you. He says, if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy. Now listen to this. If the roots be holy, so are the branches. If the roots be holy, so are the branches. So it will seem that attempting to fix branches, attempting to paint the branches, attempting to polish rotten fruits doesn't make them fresh. What we should be doing is to be going for the roots. Attempting to legislate righteousness will result in futility. Attempting to pass moral laws without spreading righteousness. Child of God, hear me. The church of God, especially in North America, hear me. We are going to advance God's righteous cause by a commitment to evangelism. Not by more lobbyings and passings of laws, by commitments to evangelism. That is the way we are going to advance his righteous cause. For if, if we continue to pass these moral laws, what, let me tell you what's going to happen. We will imprison people who will discover that they can't help themselves. They will be in prison, they will meet Jesus they will get born again in prison. They are on their way to heaven. The hypocrites who pass the laws, guess where they are going to?
Thank you, Jesus. He loves us. Oh, how he loves us. And oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves. He loves us. Oh, how he loves us. And oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves. Come on, make it personal. He loves me. Oh, how he loves me. Oh, how he loves me. Oh, how he loves. There's an army rising. There's an army rising. An army of righteousness. A people of power and of the word and of the spirit. For in this season, I am raising for myself a generation, a generation of spirit and truth that will take the gospel to the ends of the earth, that will intercede and win the souls of nations on their knees, that will release their lips as a tool for me to take the nations. For thus said the Lord, I am raising an army, and that army is rising. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. All right. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17, verse 18. Hmm. Ephesians 3, 17 to 18. Thank you. He says that Christ will make his own in your hearts. As you trust in him, your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. Verse 18. It says, and you may have the power to understand as all God's people should. How wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. I'll read that one more time. As all God's people should. He says, this is not normal. This is not normal understanding. There's power required. How wide, how long, how high, and how deep God's love is. How deep. God's love is. Over the next few minutes that we have, we're going to walk through these dimensions, through this sight, through this length, through this, this, this breadth, through this depth of God's love. We're going to walk through it a bit. I hope you're still with me. I hope, I hope nobody's offended. If you are, there's balm in Gilead. Glory to God. The great physician will heal you. He will heal you. If you want a sermon to jump, we have a lot of sermons. All right, on all the platforms, you can avail yourself. But this is the truth. This is the truth of God's word. This is the truth of God's word. Anyone who is pro-righteousness and is not pro-evangelism is a fraud. Is a fraud. Is a fraud. Is a fraud. Any, and, and, and it's amazing. Christians have been lied to just to buy votes. Just to buy votes. If you love Jesus, you will commit spreading his gospel, his truth. If you love Jesus, you will spread his love. You will spread his love. We will be politically active. Don't get me wrong. We will be politically active. Don't get me wrong. All right. But our primary core 
obsession is for the hearts of men, the souls of men. Praise God. Praise God. All right. A couple of points here. A couple of, I know people have questions. <laughs> Spirit of God is giving you answers already. A couple of points here as we begin to examine these dimensions, we tie it up together and then we pray. God's love is high enough to ensure justice. God's love is high enough to ensure justice. God's love is high enough to ensure justice. I'm going to say that again. God's love, you, can't, you cannot unplug justice from his nature. In fact, part of the things that God detests so much is injustice. And for someone under the sound of my voice, that's like the story of your life. You've been a victim of injustice and a victim of injustice and a victim of injustice. Guess what? Do not fight that battle. Hand it over to the righteous judge of the whole earth. The righteous judge of the Lord. God's, God's love is committed to justice. And just to, just to help you, the reason why Jesus had to come, the reason why Jesus had to come was because of this dimension of justice in God's love. God could have had a conversation. Jesus, we did somebody to die for, this, for these sinful people, someone to take away their sins and to impart that nature of righteousness. We need, we need someone, all right? And then Jesus could have just said, yes, yes, Father, it is done. And God would say, it is done? Yes, it is done. Checked. He's already done it. I mean, is it not? Jesus can't lie. He's already done it. But justice ensured that he left his throne. Justice ensured. Justice ensured that he came in the likeness of man. Justice ensured that he was humiliated. He was flogged. He was dishonored. He was, he was beaten. He was he, the, the worst form of humiliation. I'm, I'm talking of deep shame. Anything imaginable in the dimension of shame. He experienced it just because of his love. Just because of his love for me. Just because of his love for you. He says, I won't just check the box. Because of my justice, I will come and get the scars. I will come and get the stripes. I will come and shed my blood. I won't just check the... I don't know if you know of some family businesses, family-owned, family-run businesses. Someone from the house just comes to the store. Daddy owns the store. Mommy owns the store. Just goes to the shelf, pulls something up. And the cashier is like, please pay. And you just have that look. You don't know who owns this place, right? Me. Pay. That's the best way to know a rundown business. A proper business, when you come, in fact, you should patronize more to help the bottom line. Jesus said, I won't just pick righteousness off the shelf and throw it on them. I'm going to pay for it. Justice ensured. I'm going to pay for it. It's free, but it's priceless. It costs him the precious blood of his son. Psalms chapter 89, verse 13 to 14. God is a God of justice. God is a God of justice. His love ensures justice. His love ensures justice. His love ensures justice. He is the perfect father. He is the perfect parent. The Bible tells us in Hebrews, it says, even your fathers, even your fathers, for the, for the Lord, he, he chastens those that he loves. He chastens those that he loves. Justice is a dimension of his love. Thou hast a mighty arm, strong is thy hand, and I is thy right hand. 
justice and judgment at the habitation of your throne. Justice and judgment. Then he says, mercy and truth shall go be before thy face. A key component of his law. God, God detests injustice. Slavery, racism, discrimination of all sorts. His love ensures justice. I enough to ensure justice, to scale the bounds of injustice, to ensure justice for us. You're a good, good father. Who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. You're a good, good father. Who you are, who you are, who you are, and I'm loved by you, who I am, who I am, who I am. Thank you, Jesus. God's love is wide enough to guarantee mercy. God's love is wide enough to guarantee mercy. High enough to ensure justice, wide enough to guarantee mercy. Wide enough to guarantee mercy. Jonah chapter 4, verse 1 to 3. Jonah chapter 4, verse 1 to 3. I believe, I do not want to assume that we are familiar with the story of Jonah. God had called Jonah and we know this is not fiction. We know this is not tales by moonlight because Jesus referenced Jonah. Jesus referenced Jonah. All right, he says here, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. Now, if you're not familiar with this story, you will be wondering what displeased Jonah. So let's rewind back to Jonah chapter 1. Let's rewind back to Jonah chapter 1. God had called and raised the prophet Jonah, all right, and God had told him, arise, go to Nineveh. Arise and go to Nineveh. The judgment, destruction is coming upon them if they do not repent. All right? And Jonah did not want to go preach that message. Jonah did not want to go preach that message. He paid, bought a ticket. He got on a ship that was going another direction. And he was on his way to Tarshish. He had not read in the book of Psalms that where shall I go from your presence? Where shall I hide from your presence? If I run to Tarshish, you are there on the seas. You are there. To cut the long story short, there was a storm and they had to evict him from the ship. He was caught up by a large fish and there he prayed the prayer saying, God, I will do your will. I will do your will. And Jonah went to Nineveh to preach a reluctant message. He went there to preach. That's why when we are measuring fruitfulness, it means different things to different people. Jonah went there and he was preaching, you guys, your judgment has come. Death has come upon you. You heard God is a God of love. They didn't tell you he's a consuming fire. Fire will burn all of you. It was just raining all, of, raining all of those. But the Spirit of God took over his words. And the people heard, God is a God of love. God is a God of mercy. Repent and turn from your wicked ways. God is a God of love. God is a God of mercy. And the king called the fast. The king of Nineveh, the leader, he said, we are calling a unique fast. Humans will fast. Animals will fast. Our pets will fast. If you got dogs, your dogs better get ready. If you got cats, whatever pets you have, your cattle, 
right, everything, we are going on an absolute fast. We will seek the mercies of this God. We will find grace in his sight. And there was repentance. The Bible says the Lord turned. <laughs> the Lord turned. This is what leads to this verse. You would have thought that the man of God would have been happy. You would have thought that would have been happy. God is a God of mercy. God is a God of mercy. God is a God of mercy. God is a God of... I need someone to sink in. God's love ensures your mercy. God is a God of mercy. But he displeased Jonah exceedingly and he was very angry. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Before you sent me to... to, to Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful. You are slow to anger. You don't burn fast. This is your fire. It's, instead of it to consume, it's purifying. And of great kindness and repentance thee of the evil. See his request. He says, therefore now, O Lord, take, I beg thee, my life from me. For it is better for me to die than to live. Man will rather see destruction. God rather show mercy. He is a God of mercy. And I want it to sink in. The God of mercy is in love with you. And he will show you his mercy. In the mighty name of Jesus. What you need. He says God is gracious, is kind, full of compassion. For you are good and your mercy is forever. Hallelujah. Ah, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Ha, ah, for you are good, and your mercy is forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Second Samuel chapter 24, verse 14. David had succumbed to the pride of his heart, and he wanted to defend his strength. By the size of his army. Joab, who had given him terrible advice majority of the time. At this one point, Joab was in line with the Spirit of God. He says, my master David, there is no need to do this. David said, let's get to it. Let's get to it. And God sent the prophet God to him. So this is David's response to the prophet. After options had been given to him. And David said unto God, I am in a great strait. Other versions say, I am in great distress. I am sad. I know I have offended God. I know, but one thing I know is, is he is a God of mercy. He is a God of mercy. He is a God. I saw a post on social media. It says, religion says, I have sinned. God will destroy me. All right? Christianity, love, relationship says, I have sinned. I need to run back to my father's arms. David here is saying, I am in great distress. He says, let us fall now into the hands of the Lord. He says, for his mercies are great. Let me not fall into the hands of man. Humans, humans, are you kidding me? Can you put up Matthew chapter 18? Matthew 18, 23. It's a long one. We won't read the whole thing. I'll just show you the story. It says a man owed millions, I mean, depending on the version you read, millions of dollars. And he went to his master. He begged him. He said, please give me some more time. I will pay this debt. Give me some more time. The master was moved with compassion. He says, you know what? I'm not even going to buy time for you. 
I won't buy time for you. He says, I cancel your debt. Go. Down the line, he met someone who owed him thousands of dollars. The same request, please be patient with me. Please be patient with me. This story is making new meaning to some people as they're hearing this. God has shown you great mercy and you find it difficult to show mercy. He said, lock him up. Can you not pay me? Lock him up. So they reported to his master. He said, indeed, I am a wicked person. You asked for forgiveness. I didn't buy you time. I wiped away your debt. And now see what you've done. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. Second Peter 3, 9 and 10. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king. Oh, sorry. This is Matthew. Let's, let's drop back. We'll summarize this. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. Second Peter 3, verse 9 and 10. Are they giving it to us? Or it's still on the way? Thank you. Thank you. It says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. He says, but he is long-suffering towards word, not willing that any should perish. God's will, God's desire is that all should come to repentance. The payment has been made. All should come to repentance. Verse 10. Verse 10. He says, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also shall the works that are daring shall be burned up. You know, people say, will a loving God allow people to go to hell? We've already read his will. It is not his desire. He's not allowing it. Remember, if it's going to be love, there has to be choice. People are going to choose to refuse God. People are going to choose to rebel against him. It's going to be a choice. People are saying, is this, is heaven real? Is hell real? The Bible teaches that heaven is real. Hell is real. And God doesn't want you there. He's extending his love. His arms wide open. And he's saying, I've made a way for you to be with me. I've created a place for you. My presence is where you shall be. Your presence is heaven to me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Your presence is heaven to me. Humans have shown us consistently a remarkable ability to make the wrong choice over and over and over again. Pilate was trying to absolve himself, was trying to find a way to get Jesus. Jesus said, power is not your hand. It's not your hands. He said, he said, guys, um, I need to release someone. I, re I need to release someone. Remember, this is the man that at your wedding ceremony when you ran out of wine, it, it turned water to wine. This is the man that went around your cities, you know, healing the sick. This is the man that when you guys followed him and you were all hungry, instead of sending you 
to, to, to the grocery store to go find and fix a meal. He multiplied bread, multiplied fish, not once. And he fed you guys. This is the guy who raised your dead. This is the guy who did all these great things. I need you guys to permit me to release him to you. They said, no, give us the thief. And he said, no, I, I don't get you guys. The, the guy that stole your car that broke into your house, the one that hacked your bank account, the one that did wire fraud, they give us the thief, leave him. Pilate said, I don't get you guys. Okay, my hand is not there. Take it. My hand is not there. You know what they said? They said, let his blood be upon us and on our, on our children. Can you imagine? You'll be shocked people will choose the devil. You'll be shocked people will choose hell. You'll be shocked many will hear this message and their response will be, if he's coming, he should have come soon. Well, lie. There is no God. There is no God. This delicate universe, this delicate human physique, the, the diversity creation was all random accident. Everything just happened. Yeah, I would rather believe that. I would rather choosing to believe a lie. They chose to deny the God of creation. God's love is high enough to ensure justice, wide enough to guarantee mercy. The length of convictions. The length of convictions. You know, you know, love, love, like we said, goes beyond feelings and emotions. Gets to a point where you can say, I absolutely know that I know. I absolutely know that I know. I absolutely know that I know. And this is two-sided. On God's side, God has his convictions. He knows that his love for us is his love for us. He knows that. On our side, we need to receive that love and unwrap it and know that God is committed to me. Can somebody just put your hand on your chest and say that? And say, God is committed to me. I need to say it again. This relationship that I have with the Father, God is committed to it. He's not shaky. He's not waiting for you to trip. He's not waiting for you to misbehave. There is no place in Scripture in scripture, there you see God saying, reminding you, reminding you, reminding you. He says, come on, come on, come on, come on. Peter, do you love me more than this? Peter, do you love me more than this? That's the word of God to someone. Do you love me more than this? Do you love me? Do you love me more than this? You know what your deeds are. Do you love me? But that on my side, God is saying, on my side, I can speak for myself. My love for you is absolute. My love for you is everlasting. My love for you by design is designed, all right, to love you to the uttermost. I'm convinced. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 3, Psalm 8, verse 4. Jeremiah 31, verse 3. Thank you. The Lord has appeared of old unto me, saying, yes, I have loved thee. With an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Psalm 8, verse 4. David speaking here. It was almost like exclamation mark per word. What exclamation is exclamation. Man exclamation. That thou exclamation art mindful of him. He said, God, give up already. God, these people you are loving lavishly. Look at your hearts. Look at the way they respond. What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you visit him. God is committed to this relationship. 
Psalms 139, verse 16 to 18. As we begin to tie this up now. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. It says, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. 17. It says, how precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them constantly thinking about me. He knows that I am constantly thinking about other things, gratifying my flesh, making my name known rather than his name known. He sees all of those aberrations. He says, but God is obsessed. His thoughts, how lovely are your thoughts towards me. If I should count them, they are more than the number. They are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. I am still with thee. What a love. What a love. Darling Jesus. Darling Jesus. Oh my darling Jesus. You're a wonderful Lord. I love you so much. Darling Jesus. Oh my darling Jesus. You're a wonderful Lord. Ha, let's do one more time. Darling Jesus, darling Jesus, oh my darling Jesus, you're a wonderful Lord. I love you so much, darling Jesus, oh my darling Jesus, you're a wonderful Lord. Depending on what church you went to, the next song after that is, give me a drink. Praise God. Woo! What a God we serve. So God's love is high enough to ensure justice, wide enough to guarantee mercy, long enough in conviction. It's a commitment to an everlasting love. I will talk more about this on Wednesday. And God's love is deep enough in breath, deep enough in breath of hope. And I'm going to explain what this hope is. Let's read just one more portion of Scripture. And I'll tell you what this hope is. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 to 5. You know, someone has said, when I said, let's tie this up, don't think the message is about to end. But when I close my book, then maybe, perhaps, this is about to end. Praise God. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that reassuring? We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. In hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation will produce patience. And that patience will produce experience. Experience will unravel as hope. Verse 5, he says, this hope does not make ashamed. There is a reason why this hope, let me tell you, the hope that makes ashamed is an hope that, that the, the end of the matter is not what was expected, all right? Praise God. I was going to give an example, but I just remembered God said, I've healed, I've healed that matter. I remember growing up as a young child, someone just told me, said, I'm coming, we're going to take, I can't remember which church of Mr. Biggs now, or amusement park. We got dressed, and we're hoping, <laughs> hoping, hoping, hoping. He says there is, the, there is the hope that does not make a shame. And the only reason 
why this hope will not result in shame. The only reason why the outcome of this situation will be as it was expected is because of God's love. God's love. You know it is said about couples, all right, but for real couples, praise God, real couples. And after a while, the husband begins to look like the wife. All right, for real, I'm not talking about fake friends, praise God, they are not fake. Well, for the real couples, real couples, after a while, someone is saying, well, the speedy look like his wife, just give us time. All right, give us time, give us time. I don't know how it will happen, but it happens eventually. There's a dimension of intimacy that at a point you can't tell the difference anymore. You can, you can, you not only know what they will say, you know what they are thinking. You can say their next sentence, you communicate even without words. There is a rubbing off, there is a, God is saying that my hope as a working of my love believes that at some point you will be like me. You will be like me. You will be like me. How? By love shed abroad in your hearts by the Spirit. He says, my children, don't, 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 don't be worried. Yeah. They don't read their Bible for a week now. Hope. Hope says, I'm working. They don't pray. They don't wake up to pray. They leave only PD to pray in the morning. Praise God. Praise God. Hope says, don't worry. They're going to want me more. They're going to want me more. Hope does not. This hope, this is not general hope. This is not hope of let's see. No, this is not let's see. This hope has a guarantee. The love of God will ensure it. Ensure it. That in this relationship, we will be more like him. We will be more like him. As he is, so we will be. An inseparable union. What can separate us from the love of God? Child of God, the word of God, the word of God has come to you this morning. Please get away from fraudulent Christianity. Get away from fake love. And if this is not your thing, leave. 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 Enough of your pretense. But if you are going to stand for him, stand for him. His love is wide. His arm wide open. His love committed to you. Committed to you. His mercy over-invested in you. Over-invested in you. He will go any length. He will go any length just because he loves you. For there is no greater love than this, than for a man to lay down his life for his friends. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He commended his love towards us therein. Thank you, Jesus. You can bring it up a bit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We receive your love. I want those of us who are saved just for 30 seconds. Thank him for his word and say, Father, I receive your love. I receive the grace to be a true lover, not to be a fraudulent lover. I receive your love. I receive the fullness of your love. I know there is justice in this love. I know there is mercy in this love. I know the strength of your convictions that this is an everlasting love. I know how your hope is committed to the fact that I won't remain like this. That I will be more like you. That I will be on fire for you. I will tell the world about you. I won't keep it to myself. Jeremiah said, I tried, I tried, I tried to keep quiet. He says, but the word of God, it was like fire locked up in my bones. Hope believes that we will all be that. That we will all get there. 
His hope doesn't make a shame. He doesn't entertain the thought that you won't be like him. Thank you, Jesus. What a God you are. We worship you. We worship you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. We exalt. We magnify you. Take all the glory. The God of justice. The God of mercy. The God of all peace. The God of hope. We exalt you. There's someone under the sound of my voice. You've been dealt injustice by every standard. It has caused you pain. It has brought hurt to you. There's someone else. You're in a tight, tight corner. And the reason you found it difficult to pray is because you told yourself, I brought this on myself. I brought this on myself. That's the only reason you are not praying confidently because you know that you brought it on yourself. And the enemy has convinced you, you brought this on yourself. You have to face the music now. Yes. But what the enemy is not saying is that your God is also a God of mercy. He's also a God of mercy. He's also a God of mercy. He's also a God of mercy. There's someone else under the sound of my voice. You look at your life and you're not proud of your Christian life. You've not been able to talk about Jesus to anyone since you were born again. Not one person. You've not, like, literally not one person. And you're worried. You're worried. Am I even saved? Am I even born again? Am I, am I in the fraudulent group? Hope make it not a shame. The Lord said, I should tell you that I will set you on fire for him. He will arouse your voice to the nations. He says there will be a restoration of the years. That more than you could ever have done in this new season, the fire will come upon you and the nations will hear your voice. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The God of justice, God of mercy. For as many who know that you are not born again, you know you are not saved, you know your name is not written in the book of life. What you've done is you have good-looking leaves, polished and waxed fruits, but you know the roots is still the same. There's mercy in the room this morning. There's grace available. As you acknowledge your need for a savior and your sin. You believe in your heart that Jesus died for you. You confess him as Lord and Savior. Today is a day of salvation. Father, I agree with your sons and daughters that your spirit will invade them. That the old nature of sin, of shame, of guilt, of dishonor is taken away. That they put on Christ and they receive a new nature of righteousness. That their names are written in the Lamb book of life. I pray for that person who has been dealt severe injustice, that you, the righteous judge, will arise in their favor. For that person who has been left to wallow in rot because they put themselves in that situation, we call on you, the God of mercy, the one who is gracious and kind, who is full of compassion, the one who is good. 
that your mercy will speak and intervene. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for your children that you are setting on fire for you. This hope maketh not ashamed. The love of God is shed abroad in their hearts through the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, because your love wins. Your love wins. In spite of us, your love wins. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. Thank you, Jesus. For in Jesus' name we are prayed. In Jesus' name we are prayed. Come on, wherever you are, jump your hands together. Give the Lord a big shout. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed by the sermon. And if you would love to be a part of what God is doing in our midst, feel free to join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. To be a part of the giving, you can give our email at info, I-N-F-O, at KICCCanada.ca or through our website at www.kicccanada.ca slash donate. God is doing amazing things in our midst and we look forward to seeing you soon. Remember, you're a champion. God bless you.